Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone, your journey, our passion. And by Dow Automotive Systems, improving durability and increasing design flexibility with Betamate structural adhesives at DowBetamate.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of AutoLine Daily. I'm Peter DiLorenzo, the auto extremist, filling in for John. And now, the news. The average age of an SUV is 11 years old. And because of that, GM feels it will be able to capture buyers looking to get a new vehicle with its all-new full-size SUV lineup, which includes the Tahoe, Yukon, and Suburban. The 2015 models get an upgraded chassis and suspension for improved ride and handling. The SUVs are powered by GM's Ecotec 3 engine, which comes in 5.3 and 6.2 liters and has made it to a six-speed transmission. Although no figures have been released yet, GM is expecting segment-leading fuel economy. As for the exterior, each has brand-specific hoods, grills, fascia, fenders, and headlamps, but the interior was a major focal point. Both second and third rows fold flat with improved second-row legroom. There's new technology and safety features, and engineers have made an extra effort at reducing wind noise. The SUVs are built at GM's Texas plant and are scheduled to hit showrooms in early 2014. Sales of Ford's high-performance off-road pickup, the SVT Raptor, are taking off. So far, sales are up 14% this year, and the company says dealers only have a 15-day supply of the truck. To meet demand, Ford is now building five Raptors an hour. It was producing three an hour previously. Ford doesn't break out sales of the Raptor, but the Detroit News reports the company sells an average of 1,000 a month. Yesterday, we reported that Volkswagen is debating whether to bring its commercial vehicles to the U.S., and now the company is contemplating bringing its natural gas cars here, too. The Detroit News reports that Volkswagen has been considering selling CNG-powered passenger cars in the U.S., but is holding back because of the lack of fueling stations and is calling on the EPA to do more to support building an infrastructure. The Detroit automakers offer CNG-powered medium-duty trucks and commercial vehicles, but Honda is the only company that sells a passenger car powered by natural gas in the U.S. A few years back, Daimler and Renault partnered up to develop small cars and delivery vans for Europe. Last year, the tie-up expanded to include development of engines and transmissions, and now the two companies will collaborate on commercial vans. Renault's partner, Nissan, will build its NV350 urban van in Japan for Daimler's Asian truck unit, Mitsubishi Fuso. We have another reveal from Frankfurt, but this time it's not a vehicle, rather a wheel and tire combination. Called the iFlex and made by Hankook, it's an air-free unit that uses geometric patterns that can absorb energy over bumps and act as a damper, similar to previous models from Bridgestone and Polaris. Hankook says the combination is 95% recyclable, reduces road noise, and improves fuel economy. The iFlex is displayed on a Volkswagen Up but there is no word on when or if we'll ever see a production version. Coming up, reimagining the candy-colored Tangerine Flake Streamline Baby. Dow Automotive Systems, driving solutions in automotive, commercial transportation, and aftermarket with innovative products like Betamate structural adhesives. Lighter, stronger, safer. DowBetamate.com. Tom Wolfe's famous collection of essays, published in 1965, with one of them shedding light on the custom car culture of the day, 
and such luminaries as Ed Roth and George Barris, remains etched in American literary lore. And the title of Wolfe's essays, in particular, has held firm and fast as the quintessential descriptor of America's fascination with the automobile and the cult and culture surrounding it. But the American cult and culture surrounding the automobile is changing at a furious pace. America's automotive fascination, which reached its storied heyday in the momentous 50s and 60s, has evolved into something else altogether, mirroring the uproarious changes in American life itself. Horsepower has been repackaged and augmented with electricity, and driver aids allow for even the most ham-fisted pilots to drive around in a 600-horsepower machine on a daily basis. The overall safety of new vehicles today is now approaching a level unimaginable just a decade ago, and the bewildering electronic capability of our cars has us teetering right near the ragged edge of driving autonomous vehicles, something that has been promised by the end of this decade. And of course, our new vehicles have become ambassadors of the connected lifestyle, and to our detriment, I might add. Going forward, I have no doubt that the lure of the freedom of mobility will continue to be strong around the world. I also believe that the desire for high-performance vehicles will continue on indefinitely, albeit with a much steeper cost and degree of complication attached to them. But I must say that our sanitized, electrified automotive future has a sense of foreboding attached to it too, with the act and the art of driving well becoming a quaint notion for many, a relic from our past that few people care to be bothered with, which is a giant bowl of not good from where I sit. And somehow, the soy-based, chlorophyll-spec, self-driving module doesn't have quite the same ring to it now, does it? Just a reminder before I go, make sure you tune into tonight's episode of AutoLine After Hours. I'll be hosting while John is out covering the Frankfurt Auto Show. Joining me will be Gary Vasilash from Automotive Design and Production and Todd Lassa from Automobile. So tune in tonight at 6 p.m. for some of the best insider discussion in the industry. And that's it for this show. Once again, I'm Peter DiLorenzo, the auto extremist. Thanks for watching, and I will see you tonight.